come here today to talk about how I feel. And I feel like that we are treated differently than other people. And I don't like how we're treated. And just because of our color doesn't mean anything to me. This just the way. Hey guys, welcome to the Posting and Toasting Show. I'm Drew. Schwinn's here. What up, Schwinn? What up, what up, what up, what up? And coming back again in, I think, the second time in a week, which is really impressive, but we're doing this a little differently with uh, the better half of Nick's film school, Jeremy Cohen, is we're doing a crossover event that you've never seen before, mainly because that Macri's not here for this part, and then I'm not going to be there for the Macri part. So you guys are going to be in for some sort of treat because Macri has no idea what we're going to talk about here. And I have no idea what they're going to talk about on their show. So it's it's going to be fun. So, uh, Jeremy, how's it going? It's going all right, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. Just uh, drinking some coffee. Like I tweaked my back the other day. I thought Jesus. I had like... You're fucking yeah. 30, not 70. I know. It's like I tweaked my back. So I'm just like, oh my God, I have a herniated disc. And it's like... No, I don't. And I was speaking with my nutritionist, who's also a personal trainer. And he's like, no, you just tweaked it. You're fine. Just do some, like, thoracic stretches, and you'll be okay. So I've been doing that. I was like, oh, my God, this guy's, you know, a doctor. <laughs> like, just saving me. It's about to, like, rush to the emergency room. Are you guys that paranoid about, like, health stuff? Or is it is it just a me thing? I'm not going to lie. I just stop paying attention to what you're saying. Oh, okay. That's fine. Jeremy? <laughs> <laughs> Did you also stop paying attention? No, I paid attention. I was just letting you um, vent. Yeah, no, I, I sometimes pay attention to my health. I'm usually pretty healthy about it, so <laughs> I don't have to worry about it too much. But um, yeah, I have to get surgery on both my wrists. That's going to be fun. But uh, yeah, I'm basically going to milk every single experience uh, of health that I need for the next like 10 months, nine months before I get kicked off my parents' medical plan. So, um, yeah, just going to do everything I can to, you know, whatever I need. As long as it's covered by insurance, I'll probably do it. And then I'll just never go to the doctor again. That's, that's, that's super smart. Yeah, that's a good plan. Never, you should never go to the doctor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you should never get checkups. None of Honestly, those. all I need is a nutritionist and I'm good. Yeah. I'm pretty pretty sure, like... Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure if you just like, if you have a few beers a day, you're fine. Yeah, just take some uh, beer with like some like muscle relaxant, and you're good to go for like ever. Yeah, don't actually do this anymore. Yeah, don't actually do this. I <laughs> I did it the other night, and I was knocked out for at least like 13 hours. <laughs> like, nice. don't do that. It's not fun. But um, all right. So on today's episode, we're going to talk about probably like two main sticking points that've been going on. With the uh, the NBA, we are going to touch on the Woj stuff. That's going to go a little later. Maybe not in the way you necessarily think or probably do think if you listen to our show a lot, what we're probably going to say on it. But the main thing we're going to focus on right now is COVID is still running rampant. Not surprisingly, because this country doesn't care about, I don't know, the well-being of its citizens and citizens themselves don't care about the well-being of others. So COVID's still going on. It's still going rampant. And there is potential concerns, I think, for at least the show that we brought up, is that like there may not be uh, fans in the stands moving up to next season, whenever next season actually starts, since we, as a nation, still haven't corralled it in any sort of way. So because of that, that means certain 
uh, teams are not going to be generating the same amount of revenue. And because of that, that means they can't like either pay certain players, they can't have certain assets. And we wanted to discuss in a little more detail about like, what could the Knicks actually do with some certain teams to like finagle their way into getting specific assets from like these broke teams, like the NBA more or less like handed out a free, like free money to Tillman for Tita, you know, for allowing his um, food companies to like supply the food for the bubble. So like, he's clearly like really desperate for money that he's going to, that he's doing that. So there's other teams though, as well that I want to get into. And so guys, like what team do you think is really like ripe for this level of like exploitation in terms of like the Knicks just sending money and like a second round pick for like to move up for like the 16th pick in the draft or something like that. Do you, is there any sort of team that you see that's like really open for this? I think any team is um, like what I think. Uh, so what bond temps and, Windhorst, they had an article this week, um, and uh, they basically like outlined all the, I mean, the different financial constraints that are coming into place now with everything. But basically, like they had a quote from an executive saying that you know, like every team is is going to lose, um, you know, they're going to lose money this year. So it's just interesting because. Like, we we don't even know now um, what could be going on. Like, a team like the Rockets, sure, everybody knows about them, but, like, what about, I don't know, like, the Nuggets? Like, do we know anything about their situation? Do we know any Like, Indiana, that's a market that always has issues filling out the stadium, first of all. And second, like, they don't have a huge fan base. They're not a big market, so they're not generating a fuck ton of interest. So like that's that's been a reason why I think their ownership has always pushed to like stay good and not ever bottom out because they just like like Herb Simon I think he's the owner um, like you know he wants that he, that like that that keeps them relevant and keeps his coffers relatively full but like now you're talking about that doesn't exist and like the bigger issue is that the Lakers the Knicks the Bulls all these big market teams that like usually put in a lot into revenue sharing there's not going to be putting in anything into revenue sharing so um i i don't i mean i just i don't really know what i think there's i think there's more teams that'll probably end up selling on players this summer than than normal jeremy yeah i think that's absolutely fair i look at a team like the sixers who it seems like they're always trying to save as much as they can. And I guess that's what happens when you have uh, two guys who are just so analytically driven and they have the best system in all of basketball. And, you know, that's the only way where Sam Hinkie could survive. Um, they, you know, I look at a player like Mike Scott and how he's making, what, $5 million a year next year to basically sit on the bench and be maybe their third string power forward, potentially. Um He's an expiring contract. It makes sense for them to try to get that money off their books. And if you're a team that has plenty of cap space and you have to reach the salary cap floor anyway, why wouldn't you take that on for a future second round pick? Um, you know, but it's it's very curious to me because Mickey Arison was absolutely decimated by the cruise industry crashing because 
who really wants to take a cruise right now and what places are really going to be accepting a cruise ship full of American people uh, amid COVID-19. And they have to hit their floor anyway. I mean, they're going to they're gonna be around that amount max-wise. Or they're going to hit the cap floor, no doubt, and they're probably going to hit the salary cap anyway. But, you know, it's, uh, it's the sort of thing where I'm very curious as to what they're going to do. It probably doesn't affect the Knicks anyway because I don't see Riley trading with the Knicks to begin with. But... It just, you know, it could take one move, like you see this Oladipo move, or at least the rumors involved. If there's a trade there and the Pacers need to send money away, they could potentially do it in a separate deal that doesn't even involve the Heat and the Knicks. Uh, and then they could take that money and give it to the Knicks, so it's just two separate transactions. So, um, yeah, I mean, everyone, everyone's going to be hurting, especially if next year fans aren't in the stands, as I think we talked about. It's like that just how do you even recover from that and, and build a sustainable team where you're paying them really out the wazoo? And I, I think the other part of it is that um, they're basically thinking like they're going to do cap smoothing, but like essentially the cap is just going to stay flat for like two or three years. Should I start again? You're going to have to start with uh, Jeremy, who was just kind of mentioning all the different teams that he said. Like, he was just seeing, like, the you know, Sixers with, like, Mike Scott yeah. taking over, um, could be a potentially thing. And then you started to go about, like, just in general, like, the idea of just being over the cap could just in- inherently is going to be a problem when it wasn't before with the cap smoothing and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, I just think it'll be a problem for, for a lot of teams. So, like, I mean, we talked about Indiana, but, like, specifically they have a bunch of contracts that like like Oladipo, uh Brogdon, Turner, Sabonis' extension kicks in. And it's like that none of these contracts are massive contracts in terms of the NBA. But like does Herb Simon really want to pay all of them when he's already losing money? Like I I think they're over the cap. They would be over the cap this year anyway. Um I'd have to check. But like Oh yeah, you know, I'll like, check that. But like like you know, what if he just wants, if he's like, fuck this, like, so just dump TJ Warren on some team. I don't, I don't want to pay him. Like, okay. I mean, the Knicks have avenues here as, you know, uh, presumably a, a team that's better, um, better placed to kind of like ab- absorb the financial hit for a variety of reasons. And, it's just like the entire league. I, I really think the the overall impact is still being like completely. Um, I don't want to say ignored, but like like under underappreciated. I think the severity, like you know, in this same Windhorst and um, and Bontemps piece, they talk about teams that like have massive debt, like like Tillman Fertitta. Okay, his businesses require two hundred fifty million dollars a year in debt service costs. Okay, like that—that that dude is not—he's not in a great place financially. And even like 
the Warriors, who have been obviously like they had they built this huge fucking new stadium. It's a billion dollar stadium that they're not gonna have anybody in next season. Like, are they are they really gonna you know, are are they really gonna go into fucking multiple repeater attacks forever? Um Yeah, because they got like, Clay's extension, Draymond's extension, Wiggins is on the max, and then Curry's gonna have to be re-signed soon, I think, right? In the next couple of years. Curry already got his max extension. He got like that what five year Oh, okay, then yeah, like they're gonna be in repeater tax and button repeater tax. And they have yeah. to pay for a top five pick with a right. talent with a draft that just doesn't have the talent that it and, probably wants. And then the other like and and like for them, like people were making this huge fucking thing because they had that cap except that, that trade exception, it was like an eighteen million dollar trade exception from Igadala's thing. And it was like people like that that could that could have been a way for them to take on an overpriced but inherently um you know, good, good player. But like now, it's like I mean, are they really going to do that now? In as it is, it was going to be like crazy expensive. But now, are they really going to do it when <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when they're already just eating so much shit financially, it's hard to imagine that. Yeah, the Pacers right now, like heading into next year, assuming that the cap is going to be 115 million, which we all know is not going to be the case. They're going to be 11 million over next. It's year. like a, it's 109 million, I think, is the number that's been kind of like. What it's going floating. to be? Yeah, that's like the been the one floating. Okay, so around. then in that case, they're going to be around like sixteen to seventeen million dollars over the cap, right? And that's like that's basically Miles Turner's contract, right? That's a little less than like Malcolm Brogdon's contract, like there, and they got like people like locked up for a number of years too, like Jeremy Lamb's locked until twenty twenty one, McDermott expires um, next off season, TJ Warren expires in twenty twenty one, like they got guys. Like, yeah, so like, I mean, yeah, and it's like if the thing is too, like it, expiring salaries almost become like it's like fucking just get rid of this guy anyway because like you know what I mean like I I don't know like what are, are they how much are they really gonna lose as a team if they just like give away Jeremy Lamb and like a couple of seconds or something you mm-hmm. know they're not losing anything in that trade really like Jeremy Lamb base he didn't he tear Achilles or something? ACL. ACL. So it's like he's going to be out anyway for God knows how long. Like, <laughs> it, it, there's there's going to be a lot of these. I think there's going to be a lot more of these kind of like financial transactions. Kind of like the moves you see in baseball all the time, right? Where like a big market team will just eat a bunch of salary because they can. Um, like, I think you're going to see a lot of that if, if there are teams like – like the Knicks are the only big market team that is positioned to kind of do this stuff, right? Like operate essentially as a clearinghouse for these shitty contracts. And it's just like, I, I think in some cases it's more like they have to be judicious in making sure if they choose to do these, like these kind of salary dumps is to actually pick the right ones. Because I think there are right. going to be plenty of opportunities so it's less about like will they even have the chance, and more about which which opportunities pay you the most, which are the most beneficial. Um, like I told, Jer- I think I've told Jeremy this, but I've, I've definitely said it before. But like, I think their entire goal needs to be adding. I think I mentioned this last time Jeremy was on, but it's like if the entire purpose of this, the entire purpose of this season should be like, yes, get the young guys' experience, well, like, see what you have there, develop them, blah blah blah. But like from a future perspective i think it's really 
a great opportunity for them to add a first round pick or two in like 2021 or the 2022 draft, probably more likely than 21. But like the 22 draft would be if you can add a first round pick by the, the end of like the 2021 season, I think you've done well. I think that's like a good move for your future. And it's the exact type of asset you essentially want to help sweeten the pot for a potential star trade down the line. Like, you know, I, I just think in a lot, it, there's the opportunity right now, even if they can't actually get a star this season, there's an opportunity to better position themselves to be able to acquire a star when that happens. Um, and like a lot of the reason is because of COVID and the financial impact it's having. So I'm just like very, very interested to see how a lot of this stuff goes. And I think, it's pretty obvious when you just kind of like think about it monetarily why the NBA has been so desperate to, um, you know, like just end, like finish the season somehow, some way. Yeah. Cause they just need like that money. That is pretty much it. Like they just need to get something in. Like you mentioned Denver, I was just like quickly going over their cap, like because of like their free is like what Millsap and um, Plumlee being pending free agents, they'll probably renounce them. And they'll pretty much be, like, at the cap, right? And then they have a guy like Gary Harris, who is locked up until 2021, who's, I don't know, stopped being good for some reason. So it's just, like, what do you, like what's what, do you, what are they going to do with him? Do they really want to keep his, like, $20 million cap hold on? Especially when Jamal Murray's extension kicks in next year. Jokic is on his max deal. Like, there's they're definitely going to be... A team too that's probably going to be looking at like we need to dump Gary Harris just so we can like try to improve our team in some capacity. And I mean, there's zero chance they keep Millsap now, right? Like, oh yeah, like zero percent chance, yeah, because Millsap's cap hold is at like forty something million, I believe, right? And then like because that puts the cause because of that they have like zero cap space. So like, the only way they could do it is they could exceed the cap, or they could do like the mid level or the biannual. But yeah, I, I'm with you. It doesn't. Like paying for as good as Millsap has been, especially this season. Um, I looked at his uh, his expected wins and clean the glass. They were absurd. And he's a perfect player for them. But like, if you don't really have the financial means and the Kroenke family also is very tied into, they've got the Rams and I think they have what Liverpool as well. Mm-hmm. So they're used Arsenal. to just Arsenal. Arsenal thank you. Yeah. So these teams that are just kind of either playing or not playing at all and if they're playing it's just in front of no fans then it's you're just draining cash and you're there's just nothing coming in yeah we all know like rich people like their main thing is to keep their money like they're not just going to be fine taking these losses like the reason why they made so much money in the first place is because they don't refuse to take losses like this so there's good there's a very good chance like once this season finishes up that there is going to be like drastic roster changes like I, I don't think that would be surprising whatsoever and it, it really depends on what the nba's plan is for the salary cap moving forward because there's a very good chance that they could kind of take next year's salary cap and make it this year's uh, because it's always based on future revenue but if they don't anticipate it being if, if they don't anticipate much revenue coming in then they could kind of artificially set it at 109 again but if you keep doing that over the years and you kind of try to have a flat cap for two to three years, then all these stars who are ready for big contracts, they're just going to sign one and ones because why lock into any deals when like, why would you sign a three year deal if in three years or even two years, 
you could get a massively bigger contract because the suddenly there's no flat cap anymore. And that's going to play into the Knicks' favor because if you keep trying to like inch things along, if your other teams and if players who are very good decide, you know, this isn't working for me, then you can say, well, let's try it out somewhere for a year with the anticipation of building something longer term, and then we'll commit when the money is there. And that's exactly where the Knicks can strike. One interesting team that could come may come into play is Utah because Conley is going to opt into his player option. Like he's not passing out, like passing up 34 million dollars. And it'd be interesting to see like, what do they do if there actually is issues between like Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, right? Cause it'd be a great way for them to just like dump that money. So they don't have to deal with it and then just go completely fully rebuild. That's something to just something to watch and consider if if we're assuming that these rumors that Donovan Mitchell isn't happy in Utah to be true. I think it's um, like, I mean, there's there's a lot of these things. So so like that's one. But like, like for example, um, like Jeremy said, you know, for free agents, and I, I I've read this too that like agents are telling their players like like you're probably better off just taking a one year deal or even opting in if they have an option, just opting in for a season because you're hopeful that by 2021 summer, um, like the, the future of like the cap and everything will be much more certain. Um, so like players will be better positioned to lock in then. Um, but it's like now, why do you want to lock in? So, I mean, I think it's interesting because then you, like when you think of if, if that, if that's the case, then you have players like like Christian Wood, who presumably in almost any other normal market would have would definitely sign a multi-year deal this summer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I mean, would he sign just like a a big one-year deal now? Maybe. And like, and like maybe that makes him that probably evens the playing field because he doesn't care about the longevity and. You know, I, I think teams probably also would prefer not to lock into contracts right now if they don't have to. Um, like, obviously, if you have a star, that's a little bit different. But, like, Christian Wood isn't exactly a star. So it's like, does Detroit – I mean, they're not. They're probably not going to go for, like, a three-year deal or something. So then you're picking between one-year deals. I think it's safe to say that, like, as much as, you know, obviously nobody wants to play for the Knicks, I still think a lot of players in the NBA – probably prefer to play for the Knicks than the Pistons. Um, so, like, I don't know. I think there's a lot of these opportunities, be it in free agency like that or, you know, like any kind of these, uh, like a trade like you just outlined. I mean, there are teams that might, honestly, like, it might change a lot of, like, long-term planning, too. Like, really, like I, I don't know if Utah um, would do that. I think that, like, for them, it'd be more like, well, why don't we just trade Bogdanovich and get off this contract if we can, right? Right. Um, or like Conley. Conley's an expiring contract. Well, yeah, I think yeah. the plan for like Utah is definitely like we're going to extend Donovan Mitchell to a max no matter what, and we'll find other ways to alleviate some of the you know that expense, whether right. it's Bogdanovich or Conley. I just find it interesting that like Conley is like that expiring contract, and it's a lot of money. So like Utah definitely would have to like put in a good amount just because he didn't play well. Um, this past year, it would just be kind of interesting to see like what they would do. And then for someone like Donovan Mitchell, if the plan is, all right, we're going to get rid of Bogdanovich, then it's like, oh, so they're really not going to have like a super amount of like depth either without 
Bogdanovich because Joe Ingles kind of, you know, wasn't, you know, playoff Joe Ingles the, uh, this past year. So it's like, so who is he going to be with in Utah, especially when his running mate is someone he doesn't like? Like, there's a lot of long-term things with Utah that becomes interesting. Um, Anthony Davis definitely isn't going to be signing a long-term deal. Like, he's not going to opt out and be like, oh, I'm going to sign, like, a max contract this offseason. Like, that's not happening. He'll probably wait until next offseason if he decides to do that. And then what does that mean for the Lakers if LeBron's getting much older and then Anthony Davis is stuck with nothing? Yeah, I think the one thing that you bring up with Utah, Drew, that's really, Drew, that's really important is also just with Mike Conley's salary – if the Jazz were to trade Conley to a team like the Knicks, uh, really any team that's very much below the salary cap, and in this case, the Knicks probably make the most sense, if they trade him outright and don't take much salary or if any coming back, then they have a $34 trade exception. And that's great for them because they can break that up as much as they want, right? Like they could take on any salary up to $30 million, which let's face it is probably 98% of the league qualifies for that. And what you're able to do is then it's like, okay, if you want to take on a $20 million guy, you can do that instead. That's totally fine. And you don't really have to send much back in that case. And so it's perfect for them because they're breaking up a salary that they would not be able to otherwise. And if you're a team like the Knicks, I mean, yeah, Conley was pretty washed last year, but you consider the fact that, okay, sure, uh, Conley and Leon Rose, a former agent client there, but the bigger thing is that Nick's getting an older ball handler, someone who's a little bit more experienced. Um, if if it's someone like Thibodeau who's coaching, then you have someone who's a bit more defensive-minded, even though his knees are probably broken down from the grit and grind already. But it's the sort of thing where you have someone in the – because there's such a, a, a good free agent, there's that you'd have someone who actually help R.J. Barrett East could – you know, find Mitchell Robinson instead of someone like Albert Payton, who's only going to look for Julius Randle. So it makes sense to target a team like that. Absolutely. And I'm sure there are other teams around the league that are looking to get these contracts off. Like you're saying, Schwinn as well. It's the sort of thing where I'm curious as to how the Knicks navigate it because of the fact that they'll want to stay flexible. So if they only look for these one year deals, then it kind of pairs that pool down even more. And like, like the Pistons, I could see them paying Christian Wood for several years because the only contract that they're really on the hook for that's more than a year long, uh, that's going to be substantial, is Blake Griffin's deal. Like, yeah, they have to pay Kennard, but he's I think he's played declining number of games every single year. Um, it's the Kristaps Porzingis effect. And if you like, if you have to pay Kennard, you do. That's fine. But it's the sort of thing where they're now under new management, so. If you have like, why pay that guy, especially if you have concerns about his longevity, when you can get out of that while he's still on his rookie contract? So I could see them shelling out money for Wood because they have to spend as much, or they have to spend a certain amount anyway. So if you can lock up your young guys, then uh, it, it at least makes sense to them. But otherwise, it's uh, for other teams. It's like I don't, I don't see the appeal for locking up players unless they're really young and restricted free agents who are about to be or have already become stars. Yeah, I mean, I think we've all talked we talk about it on here too, but like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's just like so many opportunities for arbitrage essentially for the Knicks, right? Like, they could probably extend Nilakina and get him, get him cheaper than they... I mean, he, he wasn't going to be super expensive anyway, but like, you could probably get him cheaper now than what you would have even um mm-hmm. like you know there's different ways to kind of leverage your risk and 
I think it's really important that the Knicks don't do like they should have their their toes in multiple different buckets, right? Like you can do a salary dump, you can sign a good player, you can um, extend a play, like you can do so many different things. So you should try to do as much of that as you can. Like like I wouldn't do the Conley thing unless. Utah was giving major compensation, which they don't even really have because they already owe a first to Memphis. And then so like, what, they're going to trade you a 2024 first or something just to mm-hmm. dump Conley? Like, I doubt that. Um, but like, and, and it's also like 35, it's going to be basically your entire cap, right? For the most part, we have to like see how it breaks down exactly. But like, it's going to take up most of your cap space, your free, your free cap space. So it's like, do you really want to do that? Is that the right like like I said, is that the some right salary dump to take? I don't know. I don't think so. I think there'll be better options. But like, you know, uh, something like like signing a player like Gallinari is interesting to me because like it's like the Marcus Morris thing. If you sign a guy on a big enough salary, um, a team might be like a contending team might be more willing to give up a future first because even if he's not locked in long term, that price point as a high price point gives them a competitive advantage in re-signing him, right? Cause they can mm-hmm. give them up to like 20% more, um, as a starting salary on his next contract. So like, that's why, like, I mean, people are like, Oh, the Clippers gave up, like gave up this shit for a rental. And it's like, I guess, but like, you know, if, if you can start a Marcus Morris offer at 18 million next season, which is, it's like, that's, you got paid 15 million. They can offer up to 20%. Like, 20% more than that, so 18 million. Like, you're, nobody can actually outbid them for like, so I, I think there's like a way to think about all. And they, this this was always my thing with like some of the contracts in Exxon last summer. It doesn't really matter so much if the guys were, some of them were overpaid, um, if they had played themselves into like being useful players. Um, because a team that's over the cap, but like contending. Is, is still going to be okay giving up something, even if it's for an overpaid player that they can retain um, that serves a purpose for them. So, like, I don't know. I, I just, there are a lot of opportunities here for the Knicks, and I hope that they don't fuck it up because this is, like, the first time in as long as I can remember um, being a Knicks fan that a front office is coming in and, like, there's only no mess to clean up, right? Like the mess to clean up isn't about finance, finances or assets. If there's a mess to clean up, it's more about like just <laughs> putting a good product on the floor. Yeah, it'd be putting a good product on the floor and like where can we actually trade Julius Randle? Like what's Julius Randle's market going to be now that like COVID's really potentially like wiping things out? But like even then, that's not like the worst thing if you can convince him to be your third backup, you know, your third big off the bench or something. So like, you're right. There really isn't much. There's like nothing actually to clean up. It's just like, don't fuck it up. And that's, that's a huge concern because there's many ways. Cause like I mentioned Conley only because like he was expensive, but Schwinn, you're right. Like you don't just take Conley for the sake of Conley. Like you would only take Conley if it's like Donovan Mitchell's done with Utah. And the only way to do it is to like, all right, we also have to dump Conley and you got to give us some stuff, right? Like that'd yeah. be the only way you would be like, okay, fine. We'll do it. Cause like they don't, yeah. Cause you're right. Cause like they don't really have any sort of like 
good picks unless you're going to like really want to be like I want like 20 30 <laughs> like picks and just be like completely unknown and I don't think any team's willing to do. I don't think you could even trade out that far. But like still like that would be the only time for like a Conley type deal, but yeah, these these type of trades are everywhere and it's going to be really interesting. And that's why I kind of want like the season to be over because I feel like the off season is going to be just way more interesting uh given what covid has done to the uh to the global economy, especially like the United States economy than anything else. Just like, yeah, sure. Whatever basketball's coming back, they'll play. Someone will be a champion, whatever. And it's just like, but like how everyone navigates this off season, I think it's just going to be super interesting. Cause I, I just see so much like upheaval to occur, whether it's like in the draft or free agency and whatnot. Um, do we want to do some Thibodeau news real quick? Yeah, let's do Thibodeau instead of, uh, well, I don't really care that much. Um, uh, so, Popper had in his piece today, Popper had um, something on Tibbs. This is what it says. Uh, Tom Thibodeau remains the front runner, and he interviewed Thursday with the Knicks' front office contingent. One coach who has interviewed said he believes the job is Thibodeau's to lose, or more accurately, Thibodeau's if he wants it. The chance remains that Thibodeau would rather wait and see if openings shake out in Philadelphia or Houston, making the Knicks' interview with him a two-way street, convincing him that he can succeed with the new leadership of Leon Rose and William Wesley, his longtime associates. Uh, and then it says the Knicks also interviewed Mike Woodson, um, but that's it, it's believed to be he's a candidate for a secondary role as a lead assistant or an associate head coach, which, like, the difference between whatever the fuck that, those are is I have no idea. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so, I, I mean, I... I I kind of think like Thibodeau really wants this job. I tend to believe that. So I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I just have a hard time believing like they're not going to hire Tibbs because the connections are just like so obvious at this point between, uh, I mean, especially with like Wes, because when Thibodeau was with CAA, Wesley was his like handler, essentially the guy that like did his shift for him is it for mm-hmm. more or less. I would be, I don't want to say shocked, but like, I don't know. Like, I think Tibbs may be using the idea of like the Sixers and the Rockets as like some sort of like leverage on the Knicks. Maybe get like some more like money or some more years or something like that. But I don't, I don't see him waiting out to see if like the Sixers or the Rockets job gets, uh, gets open. I don't really know how appealing those, like the Sixers job is definitely appealing. I don't really know how appealing the Rockets job actually is especially like going forward like they'll they only have a really small window to actually capitalize on anything because we i know at least we here on the show like we think shit's gonna hit the fan with them in terms of like finances and all this sort of stuff like the sixers is the only interesting job but i i would be shocked if uh, like tibbs isn't the uh the head oh, i mean it's point. gonna it's gonna hurt the sixers too like fucking you think venture capitalist bro josh harris is going to be excited right now to go pay a billion fucking dollars for you know in luxury tax and shit once ben simmons contract hits like no he's not like he's definitely not um and i mean like the horford contract sucks but i definitely think there's like there's like an avenue to make a trade with them with uh with philly if they give you enough compensation I think that's an easier sell to me than Conley, actually. But that's might be more just because I think the Sixers have more to trade. Um, I don't even know if I'd be comfortable if you could really get 
enough compensation for them to justify taking Horford. But like, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that um, as far as like Tibbs goes, it's like I, the Houston thing is weird. Like, yeah, is Maury even going to be there? Like, do we can mm. we say any of that with certainty? Um, and if you <laughs> if you don't know he's going to be there, like, you do you trust Tillman Fertitta to to find a, a good GM to replace him. Yeah, like, that's definitely that's definitely not the case. Like if yeah, especially like if Maury's not there, you're just going into like the most unknown of unknown and unstable situations in quite some in quite a while, especially in the NBA, especially with that. So I I just don't see Houston being a Tibbs that like I don't see Tibbs being like, I'm gonna get back into the league and I'm gonna go into like the most unstable situation. That that just seems completely off to me. I feel like with the Rockets, any GM that would interview there for Tito would be like, okay, well, I can't pay you in cash, but I can give you <laughs> vouchers to my restaurants and shredded eggs. How, how do you feel about equity? <laughs> <laughs> well, what is that like in the in the Sopranos when he has the call with, uh, they have the call with Johnny Sack to try and negotiate like after Ralph makes the joke about Ginny? <laughs> And like juniors on the phone, and he's just like, "What would you say to a piece of his company?" <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. Equity stuff. God. Yeah, like that's that's what I I I just, the Fertitta stuff is like, it's so odd. Like I don't even understand the fact that he was allowed to buy an NBA team is fucking bananas to me. It really is. Well, they, I mean, they probably thought, okay, well, he'll be able to finance it because it's just how he's able to do all of his business. And as long as there's no global pandemic that just destroys <laughs> the entertainment industry, well, he'll be fine. Um, just to shift back to Tibbs, uh, Drew, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's all a leverage play. I, for me, it feels like Tibbs, or at least the belief, is like, okay, well, if I have these other teams there, it makes me feel more craved and more desired. And as a result, that only helps the Knicks in, in choosing me but if i'm tibbs i don't play that game because the reality is that if the knicks pass on you because they feel like you're waiting for other opportunities uh you've just kind of screwed up your biggest chance where you were the front runner and now mm-hmm. you are going to these two other locations trying to appeal to them and there's going to be a lot more competition i mean maybe not 11 coaches being interviewed that type of competition but there are a lot of jobs that will be out there and some very experienced head coaches. I mean, for all you know, like Brett Brown, if he gets fired, maybe Houston even wants him. I mean, he'll probably be too expensive. I'd, I'd see them trying to poach someone else. But point being, they could want to go in several different directions. And if you're Tibbs, like a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush, which is kind of the exact uh, like situation right now. And so, like, it doesn't make sense to me why you would look to other opportunities when you are safe in this environment. Like, you know that with Wes, you're going to be backed up and you know that you, you're not going to be set up for failure in any way with an owner who doesn't care about you because Dolan just wants to win and win at any cost. And he trusts Leon Rose enough to hire him. So he's going to trust the decisions he makes. So, like, you don't really have to play this game. You can just be open about the fact that the Knicks are probably your best option if you're Tibbs and just kind of roll with it there. Especially if like they're going to bring on like Woodson onto the staff and if they're going to retain Miller onto the staff, like you already have like two coaches that you're just like, like you get to work with too, where you're just like, Oh, we have like a good coaching staff as well. It's like, it's a really, it would potentially be like a really good work environment. Like if the, if the, if the Woodson thing is like true. I love that. Like I love that Mike Woodson is, 
like our most our, our most like progressive offensive mind in the last decade. Yeah. It's insane, especially because <laughs> it was all by like because he didn't want it. <laughs> That's the best part. No, I I also just miss Woodson on the sidelines for the next. Like he was just very very jiffable. Yeah, like he just had all the uh, all the meme ability. Like I can't like you got to bring him back just so I could have that like that that piece back just of those memories. But it's just it would be crazy if Tibbs is gonna like try to do that because like the it's not like the Knicks don't have options either too right like they could just hire Kenny Atkinson and call it a day and then Tibbs will be like fuck I just lost out on this job like it's not like it's not like the Knicks are really like desperate for Tibbs because like they interviewed a lot of like good people outside of Jason Kidd but other than that like anyone could take the job like it'd be Tibbs would be silly to like play that game yeah I mean I I'm basically okay with anybody else other than Jason Kidd yeah, as the head coach, like I can, I could talk. I, I will talk myself into anybody else other than Jason Kidd. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Is there any? Well, no, it would be Mark Jackson would be the other one I can't do. But he has a link. They, don't think. I mean, that's just like a bullshit link that always gets put out there. Like, oh yeah, he's from New York, man. No, no, totally. What yeah. I'm saying is like, if they ever inter- like, if they actually interview, it would be like those would be right, the right. only two guys. Which is like, I can't, I can't have a part, be a part of any of that. Anyone else, I'm fine with those two. No, just I can't. You guys got to get Jalen Rose on here next to go against you in that argument. <laughs> if Jalen wants to come on the show, I'd be happy to uh, yeah. talk with him have, about that. Jalen wants us to hire oh. Kid or Kid or Mark Jackson, right? Yep. Yeah. And so does Rich Kleiman. Yep. Friend, friend of the uh, friend of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rich Kleiman doesn't. Get, yeah, Rich Kleiman doesn't get a chance to. Uh, isn't allowed to say anything anymore related yeah. to the Knicks. I'm just like it's two are, degrees you, away from uh, Louis Farrakhan. <laughs> you you are not allowed to say you're a Knicks fan when you're espousing bullshit like this. Like, yeah, dude, Mark Jackson is he's the he's the one. How are you a fucking basketball insider and this is your take? And if if that's his take, like that actually worries me. I mean, not that I give a fuck about them, but like that would worry me if I'm a Nets fan. Um because mm-hmm. presumably KD has some like <laughs> clout there. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Well, unfortunately for me, I have to get going because I have to handle um, taxes because I'm super late with them. This conversational conversation will continue on the Knicks Film School podcast. And before we close it out, is there anything you guys want to plug? Jeremy, got want to plug anything? Uh, yeah, I, uh, on Locked on Knicks, Gavin and I talked about uh, just the recent anti-Semitism in sports. It was a really uh, fascinating conversation that we had. At least I thought so. So check that out. That's awesome. Schwinn, you want to plug anything? No. Mm, okay. Um, <laughs> for me, I'm just going to plug, like, get your taxes done. It's um, It's due... They're you're due. plugging. You're plugging taxes. I'm plugging taxes. Get them done by Friday. Um, <laughs> now to our sponsor, H and R Block. Yeah, H and R Block. <laughs> um, continue to wear a mask. Please, just wear the mask. And like, let's get through this. Um, continue to support the um, the Black Lives Matter movement. It's still going strong, despite what the Twitter algorithm wants you to believe. And See you on the next film school episode. Well, Schwinn and Jeremy, not me, but yeah, you guys got it. We are black people and we shouldn't have to feel like this. We shouldn't have to protest because y'all are treating us wrong. We do this because 